Good morning. Have a seat if you would. I'm glad you guys are here today. Welcome to North Church this morning. Um, so we're in the middle of our Summer of Psalms series along this idea of pray, disciple, serve. And uh, this morning, Brett Stillman is going to come and, and lead us in uh, some teaching through the Psalms, um, Psalm 25 uh, to be exact. But before he does, I want to kind of cast a little bit of vision, not just about the series and about this morning, but about just like uh, who we are as a church. Um, so one of, the, one of the visions, one of the hopes for this series, especially this little parenthetical insert in the series, last week Rebecca talked about steadfast love, and next week Sheridan Newland will be talking to us um, about Psalm 23, and this week Brett um, and so we've got, it, I think, five, maybe six people that are going to be doing this. And so the idea is, one, to, to hear from other people and allow other people to teach us. But probably the biggest thing, the biggest takeaway that I want for all of us is that the Word of God is completely and utterly accept, accessible to all of us all the time. There's nothing special about me or anybody else who's ever preached at this church that allows us to stand in front of you. There's nothing special about us. The Word of God is accessible to all of us. Um, Abram, fire that Hebrews 4 passage up there. Um, This is from Hebrews uh, 4, 14 through 16. Let me read this over you. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession. And before I keep going, what a high priest is, This is from Hebrews is written to the Hebrew people and they would have been Israelites and they would have been connecting with all of the Old Testament laws and regulations. And the Old Testament laws and regulations meant that among the Israelites, there was one person who was the high priest. There were lots of priests, but there's one person who was the high priest. And every year that high priest would go and give, um, sacraments and, 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 and take confessions and do all those things in order to connect the rest of the people with God. There was one person who was the high priest. The Bible says, Hebrews says, all all throughout the Old Testament and a few places in the New Testament, Hebrews and Romans, that Jesus is the high priest. Verse 15, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. There's nothing that you are going through, have been through, or will go through that Jesus did not also endure. And he beat it. He defeated it. And he is your high priest. And this is, verse 16, is, is the heart of the point of the series and the heart of the point of this parenthetical insert to the series where you guys are leading. Verse 16, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Let us draw near to the throne. Here's the thing. You don't need me for anything. You have complete and utter access to God all the time. If there's even a hint of man, I need to do something, I need to prepare myself, I need this or I need that in order for you to approach God to say anything that you want to God, I'm here to tell you that that's a lie and don't believe it for a second. You have complete access to God and he has revealed himself in his word to your heart. You have the opportunity to hear from God. I want to 
give one illustration, and I'm going to bring Brett up here. Um, if you've taken communion in other churches, a lot of times they, you have a, a pastor or someone that serves it to you. Uh, maybe a, a, a group of deacons walk the, the hallways or walk the aisles and, and pass out the, the communion. Or you come and, and a pastor will, will lift it up and, and hand you the bread or hand you the wine or hand you the juice or whatever. Here, we've done that a few times, but weekly, we have a table set aside here. And, and I want you to pay attention to this this week as during response time, but I also want you to pay attention to this like just in general. As you stand, you come to the table and you, you break with the bread that's on the table waiting for you. And you dip it into, into, into the bowl that's on the table waiting for you. There's nothing that any person needs to do because the great high priest has already done it all. So as, as Brett comes this morning, I want you to think that you could be Brett standing in front of us teaching because you have everything that's necessary. You have the Holy Spirit in you and you have the word of God illuminated for you. So Brett, come on up. Um, and let me, uh, let me pray for you, and you can lead us in, in the psalm. God, thank you for, um, for this day, and thank you for your son, the great high priest. And I pray now for people in this, um, in this room, Father, that may believe lies that, that they can't approach you, Father. But because of your son, Jesus, we can all approach you in every way at all times. God, teach us that. Allow us to learn that and know that. Father, I pray now for, for Brett as he leads us through just showing us what, what you have shown him as he pursues you. God, I thank you so much for how you have revealed your character to us, most notably through the Psalms. Thank you so much for Jesus, and thank you for Brett's willingness to come and serve us today. In Christ's name, amen. amen. Brett, take it away, buddy. Thank you, Rick. Um, hello, my name is Brett. Uh, as you guys heard, uh, I am thankful to be up here. Um, very humbled to be asked by Rick to do this. We have been, my wife Leah is right there. Say, say hi, Leah. Don't do that. She's embarrassed easily. Uh, father to Bonnie, who is the most popular one out of our family. Uh, she's the three-year-old who is just smiles and giggles and uh, all kinds of fun. Uh, but I'm just so thankful to be here. We've been in Florissant for about two years now. Been here at North Church since October of last year. So just thankful to be here with you all. Just thankful for this church. We found a home. We found a place to serve and worship. And just so thankful for that. I, I work for a ministry called the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Um, Staff-wise, we're the largest sports ministry in the world. And if you don't like sports, I have good news. I will not use any athletic examples today, so that is my promise to you. Uh, normally, when I, I do any kind of teaching, I'm in a locker room, and it's about 45 to 60, 15 to 17-year-old boys who are about to go play a football game. So I'm expecting the same kind of energy when we leave uh, today. Usually the coach cusses out the kids before I come in and, and teach, so that was a good lead-up. I appreciate that. But uh, we will be in Psalm 25 uh, and I heard a teacher once say that a teacher once said, if you don't have anything good to say, good to say read a lot. So we'll be in Psalm 25 to 119. Uh, if you want to read with me, it says, To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. 
Oh my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exult over me. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. They shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. Make me to know your, path, know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love, for they have been from of old. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me for the sake of your goodness, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. Who is the man who fears the Lord? Him will he instruct in the way that he should choose. His soul shall abide in well-being, and his offspring shall inherit the land. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he makes known to them his covenant. My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he will pluck my feet out of the net. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. Consider my affliction and my trouble, and forgive all my sins. Consider how many are my foes, and with what violent hatred they hate me. Oh, guard my soul and deliver me. Let me not be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all its troubles. And in my study of this and in reading this, I picked up on three themes. And the first one is just God's goodness. The second one is waiting on the Lord, the theme of waiting on the Lord. And the third one is asking God to prove his promises. And the first one, in God's goodness, in verses 6 and 7, if you look at those, it says, Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love, for they have been from old. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me for the sake of your goodness, O Lord. And I see David in this psalm, actually, they believe was written towards the end of his life. We see David writing to God, I have been sinful. David, I have many transgressions. Lord, remember your mercy. I've seen it before. And and Rick has said it many times. I've heard other people say it many times. Satan's only tool is lying. And he can remind us of how bad we are or we're not worthy or we don't deserve anything. And that trips us up and we believe lies and we start to follow other things. But David, I think, is a great example to us because in this moment where he's in trouble... The psalm is a lament. He doesn't feel good at this moment. He's saying, God, I know who you are and I know what you've done. Do it again. Do it again, God. I see your goodness in my life. His his youthful transgressions have been brought up. Somebody has brought them up. He's seen consequence of his sin and he's going to God's faithfulness and saying, Lord, forget my sins. Don't remember my sins. Remember your mercy. And I think we can learn from that. And verse 8, I think, is such a great passage as well. It says, good and upright is the Lord, therefore he instructs sinners in the way. Good and upright in the Lord, therefore, that's not, therefore he instructs good and upright people in his way. It's sinners in the way. And 
Last weekend, I was out because we had a football camp. We had 53 kids there, a lot of kids from North County, actually. It was really cool. Um, And a lot of those kids, I would say, either have no church background, uh, don't really believe in Jesus at all, don't really trust in Jesus at all. And so we're doing these things, and we go out to practice, and we come back, and we'll have a chapel service, or we'll have a small group discussion, and kids are falling asleep, they're not listening, they're just not really being respectful of our speaker. And in me, there's frustration. It's like, this is important. I want you to get this. I want you to understand this. And by, like, Friday night, Saturday, I'm just, Leah could tell you, I'm just, like, frustrated. I'm pulling what little hair I have left out, and I'm saying, God, like, what is going on? And then Sunday, God just kind of, in a moment, I'm sitting there watching practice happen, and kids are getting frustrated that they're not getting calls and games, and I'm sitting there, and God just reminds me, their perspective is different. We shouldn't expect people who don't claim to have a relationship with Jesus Christ to follow that at all. And I think we could save ourselves a lot of frustration. We remember, people who don't know Jesus aren't going to follow Jesus. And for me, it was like, oh, great. And so now I get to see these kids where they are at. And I get to say, like, hey, man, I know you think this is all there is to life is football, but, man, like, there's so much more. Your identity doesn't have to be in this because you're going to not be a football player one day. And a lot of guys don't get that, but you're not going to be a football player one day. You're going to be somebody. And what do you have to go on? And I can, I can tell you about the hope that Christ has for your life. And it just was such a great moment. It's such a humbling moment of God. Just re- and God reminded me too. He's like, hey, you were this kid one day. You didn't trust in Jesus. You didn't follow Jesus. And I, what a great perspective for us is like, man, if we could just be patient with sinners, I think we're going to be reminded of our own sin and what Jesus has done for, the, done for us. And our perspective will just shift. Verse 10, I think this is... This is the meatiest uh, part of this psalm. I love it. It says, All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. And so I grew up in the church. Um, I became a Christian, I think at 16 years old. It was at an FCA camp. God has led all of the things in my life towards FCA, I fully believe. But I was at an FCA camp. But I I grew up going to church because my mom was a Christian. And so that's what you did. You take your kid to church, and you're in youth group. And so I understood grace. I, under, I didn't fully understand it, but I understood grace. It, I was sinful. Jesus came and died for me, and he died for my sins. And then if I believed in that, then I would have all of these list of rules. And I, there were a lot of do-nots. So don't have sex. Don't drink. Don't cuss. Like all of these do-not things that are just lined up. And I think we, as the American church, have kind of bought into this, and we've sold ourselves a bill of goods on this of like, all right, you're a Christian, now don't do a lot of these things. You're a Christian, stop. (laughs) You were this way, stop doing it, right? And what I see here in verse 10 is a reminder that God came to restore, or Jesus came to restore what was broken. So in the beginning, God, when he created the earth, it was good. It wasn't broken when he created it. So our sin messed things up. We have sinned. I have sinned. And things are now broken in my life. And Jesus has come to restore us and reconcile us. And if you want, you could turn into Romans chapter 5. It's not going to be up there. I apologize. But Romans chapter 5, verses 10 and 11. 
And in this, Paul kind of talks about this. He says, For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. So Christ has come to reconcile what was broken by our sin. And so now we get to live, and so here we're, here's where it comes in. It's not the do-nots anymore. It's the here's how life is supposed to be. This is how we are intended to live in relationship with God. Everything in its proper and right order. And so when our, our mindset kind of shifts on that, I think there's more joy in obedience. It's not I beat myself up so I don't do this and don't do that and don't do this. It's like, no, God created this for me to live, and so I'm going to have joy, and I'm going to experience joy and peace in this lifestyle. And so when we're hit with temptations and Satan tries to lie to us and tell us all of these things, we can say, no, 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 that's not how I was required to live. That's not how I was created to live. Let me get back to how I was created to be, where everything is right in its natural order. It's right to serve. It's right to be in community. It's right to do all of these things. And so now my mindset shifts on that. And the second theme um, is waiting on the Lord. And you see that in verses 3 and 5. In verse 3, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. And in verse 5, it says, I wait for you, I wait all the day long. And this is going to be a learning opportunity for all of us because I am not good at this. Uh, This is just a theme I noticed in my study. Um, And this was good for me because I've always heard wait on the Lord, never quite understood it. But it can be described as a perspective of trusting God for all things. Our things including our future, the way we serve, the way we worship, our relationships, our vocation. All of these things we're trusting in God fully. And that way we can wait on the Lord. And so in this setting, David is waiting on the Lord for rescue. Um, the, The Old Testament, they're waiting on the Lord for the Messiah to come to redeem Israel. And we, on the other hand, on the other side of that, are now waiting for Jesus to come back. But there's also things we can wait on God in our lives for. And the way I like to think of it, and bear with me here, I may lose some of you, but just stick with me. Um, who here was a child at one point in time? You were a kid. Everybody? Okay, cool. Who here is a child now? Some of you are ch- children now. Um, yes, Rick too. Uh, but I just remember pool days. Remember when you used to go to the pool? Like if you had a community pool. Pool days were the best. You would go to the pool. And so how I think of it is like you were always the first one out of the house. You had your flip-flops on, your swim trunks. For me, it was like no shirt. Like I was just ready to go. I'd run to the car, and you're sitting there at the car, and you're like pulling the door, it's locked, and you're just waiting on mom and dad to come, right? And you're so frustrated. Or Leah said it last night when we were talking about it. She said you're just in the hot garage, right, when the garage door isn't open. It's just like, oh, what is she doing in there? And so we want to go because we want to have fun, and we want to experience this life, and we want to go have this experience at the pool. But if you're a parent, what are you doing in that situation? You can respond. 
Yes, we need to get stuff, right? We need to prepare for the pool day. If we go and we follow our kids with nothing, then it's going to be a bad day at the pool, most likely. We won't have towels. We won't have clothes to change into. We won't have snacks. Like Leah said, if you're my parents, I need sunscreen or else I will melt. Uh, I'm very, very pale. Um, And so you need all of these things. And so we couldn't, you can't fully enjoy the pool day without having to wait at the car for your parents to bring those things. So, and I would, I would equate it this spiritually is we cannot enjoy life fully and the, experience was the experiences we go through, excuse me, unless we wait on the Lord. We want to go experience all these things. I want to do what I want to do. I want to go and do these things. But unless we wait on the Lord, we're not going to get the full experience of that. And when I say wait on the Lord, I'm not talking about we lock ourselves in a room for a couple weeks and we pray, God, is this the job for me or is this the job for me? Should my kids go to this school or that school? Those kinds of things. No, we're making decisions informed by God controlling our future. We have that knowledge and we believe that God controls our future. And so we wait on him And we trust more in him that he's going to control this. So I need to trust him. And so my anxiety goes away and now I can more fully enjoy this experience that I'm about to enter into. And I think that's what this summer is hitting at with the the pray, disciple, serve, is waiting on the Lord, trusting God for who we are and what we are to do. And there's this quote by Charles Spurgeon uh, that'll be up there. It's in your handout as well. And it's a little long. And the language is very uh, King Jamesy and flowy. Don't be distracted by that. Uh, try to get at what uh, Charles is hitting at here. It says, True prayer may be described as the soul rising from earth to have fellowship with heaven. It is taking a journey upon Jacob's ladder, leaving our cares and fears at the foot, and meeting with a covenant God at the top. Very often the soul cannot rise. She has lost her wings and is heavy and earthbound, more like a burrowing mole than a soaring eagle. And I just want to stop and vulnerability, chance for honesty here. Who right now you feel like that in your prayer life? Like, I feel more like a burrowing mole than a soaring eagle that he's describing. Raise your hand. I I am in this camp. I am fully there, and I feel like a mole, just digging, 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 rather than the soaring eagle reaching to God. Let me finish up here. It says, At such dull seasons, we must not give over prayer, but must, by God's assistance, exert all our powers to lift up our hearts. Let faith be the lever and grace be the arm, and the dead lump will be yet stirred. But what a lift it has sometimes proved. With all our tugging and straining, we have been utterly defeated until the heavenly lodestone, had to Google this, it means magnet, of our Savior's love has displayed its omnipotent attractions. And then our hearts have gone up to our beloved like mounting flames of fire. And I love what he says here is just don't give up. This isn't a try harder speech. Please do not hear me say try harder and then your prayers will be worthy. I think what Charles is saying here, and this guy known as the Prince of Preachers struggled with depression for most of his life. He's saying just don't give up. 
continue to pray, continue in the discipline of prayer. And we're all, and I think what we see is with that faith and with that determination, we see the heavenly magnet of our Savior's love pick up, pick us up, pick our faith up, pick us up and take us and put us at the feet of God so our prayers, we can finally uh, get together with God in that. We can have that perfect union, perfect relationship, which is all there in Christ, our great high priest, like Rick, so, uh, Rick said earlier and read earlier. And the last point here, so wait on the Lord means to trust in him and to, and to keep on our dis- disciplines, to keep going. Don't give up. Don't try harder. Just don't give up. And the last one here, uh, just theme, is asking God to prove his promises. So when I read this psalm, I see a lot of promises of God that David is holding God to. And I love it. He says things like, remember your mercy. He says things like, the treacherous will be ashamed. Wantonly treacherous, I just like that word. Uh, Forget my sin and transgressions. Um, God is good and upright. He leads the humble. He will instruct those who fear him. He'll pluck our feet out of the net and he'll redeem Israel. And the cool thing about this is I think we can be encouraged by this because when we feel in those moments where we're like the burrowing mole and maybe our prayers aren't being heard and life isn't going the way we want it to, we can hold God to his promises. God, you made this promise. Hold to it. And the cool thing is, is God isn't scared of that. Like he made the promise, but he's going to keep it as well. I'm just so encouraged by that where where God says, here's my promise, here's what I'm going to give you in those moments, and just ask for it. Just keep asking for it. When stuff is bad, keep asking for it. When your relationships are hard, just keep asking for it. Uh, when, When you have a family member who's not a believer, just keep praying. Trust me. Like, I have promises for you. And I think if we just continue to ask him to prove it, I think we'll start to see fruit in that. And in verse 4, I'm really encouraged by this. I think it's just such a cool thing. It says, Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. And for me, when I read that, something just kind of stuck out in my heart. If I could pray that for the next three weeks, every time I sit down to prayer, when I'm driving in my car by myself, and just pray this. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. That's not more effort on my part. That's not me doing better. That's not me being better. That's just me coming to God and saying, Lord, I need help. And I want you to show me what it looks like to know your ways and to know your paths. And in verse 10, if we go back, all of the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness. What an encouraging thought. If we could just make that our prayer how different would our perspective be in our life? And I just want to remind you, too, of who uh, wrote this. Uh, this is David, a uh, man after God's own heart. And if you remember, if you have any familiarity with David's life, he's responsible for a lot of dead people. Uh, a man after God's own heart. He's responsible for a lot of dead people, including a guy whose wife he slept with. Um, so we go back he he instructs sinners in the way. If David, who did a lot of just bad stuff, who who sinned a lot, who did a lot of his own way, can have this prayer, we can too. 
We can be encouraged in this. We can grow in this. And I can grow in this as well. That was one thing that just stuck out to me as we go through it. Um, and just kind of wrap up here. At, at this camp, we, we had this song. And the, the verses were saying that, just different, different verses were saying this, that my hallelujah was one of them. Uh, another one was all of the glory. Another one was honor and praise belongs to you, God. That was the song. It was the verses. All of those things belong to you, God. And the chorus was simply, you deserve it. And I, and I look back and I see these things of like, God deserves our glory, our honor, our praise, our trust because he's worthy of it. He deserves it. It's owed to him. And the reason he, we know this is because of what he's done in the past. In our lives, in our story, we know that God comes through. In the Word, we know that God comes through. In our church, we know that God comes through. And this is the encouraging thing of even when maybe we don't have the story in our own personal life of God coming through in a huge, big way in a certain scenario, that's plug for community groups. That's why it's good to be in community with one another because we could hear others tell the story of what God has done for them. And then we can look, it's like, wow, God, you are awesome. And then we're reminded of God's promises, and then we trust in God more. So in closing here, and I know I've been everywhere, so forgive me. My encouragement to us, to me as a church, is just to lean into what God has called us to. If, if you have been struggling, sin with unbelief, with calling, all of these things, just lean in. Lean into what God has given to us. Verse 4, remember the prayer. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. And I think if we lean into those things, he's good and he's going to take care of us. Because those who wait for him will not be put to shame. And I think we can be reminded of the promises of God, that God will lean into us when we lean into him, and that will help us where we don't believe. God has reconciled us to himself to restore what he originally created, and he's worthy of our lives because of his love for us. So I think I'm done. Thank you, Rick, for the opportunity to do this. Um, I hope it was encouraging, but um, the Bible's good. That's my summary statement. Thank you, Brett. I appreciate that. Um, I think that as we head into um, response time this morning. I, I just want to kind of jump off of the end of what you said there, lean in. Um, and, and honestly, summers are always kind of strange and weird and that um, routine is off and things are different and people are on vacations and kids are out of school and summers are just sort of weird. And, and, and I, I think that the thing that God has begun to show me as we kind of struggle through this season as a church is just to, to lean in to who he is. And I, I'm, I'm glad that you, you landed there and, and left us there. Um, so I just, I want to encourage us to, to lean into that. And the, this, the whole idea of pray, disciple, serve, the whole idea of, of engaging the Psalms and trying to understand and have the character of God revealed to us, the whole idea of, of the the canvas in the back is to just to lean into who he is. Um, and so I want to, 
I want response time to be a very practical thing for us for the next five or six minutes where we respond to who God is, but, but for, allow that to be a metaphor for our lives. So we aren't just to, to lean in for these next few minutes while Josh and Kelly come and lead us in some more songs and we take communion and do these things, but instead to an opportunity for us to lean into who he is. Um, and, and Brett has done a, a great job of, of illuminating some of the character traits that God is good and, and he's patient and he's mercy and he's faithful and he does all of these things for us and wants us to wait for him. But, but the idea is just to, to lean into who he is. Um, so let me, uh, let me pray for us and we'll have a, a chance to respond. God, I, I thank you so much for, for Jesus. Um, God, I thank you for the word that you gave to Brett to proclaim to us um, this morning. Uh, Father, I, I pray now that you would allow us to, to lean in. I pray now that you would allow us to, to wait for you. I pray now that your, your goodness would, would rest in us, Father. And I pray that, that our response to you and your goodness and your faithfulness and your forgiveness, all of which have been presented to us today. God, I pray that we would just wait this morning and rest in that. And as we do, that we might lean in to who you are. God, and I, and I pray that this, this response time would, would be a metaphor for our lives, Father there would be moments in our day and moments in our week where we pause to stop and and stop the the cycles and stop the 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 life that just comes at us in ways father instead just rest and listen and lean into who you are god i pray for those in the room that that wrestle with um with the lies of the enemy that tell us that we don't have access to you. I pray against the lies of the enemy that, that's, that bring up our past sin. Father, I, I pray that you would give us the courage to, to pray to you. God, forget not, or forget our, our, our sins of our youth, but remember your steadfast love and your mercy. God, may we all rise metaphorically rise in in confidence in who you are and what you've done in our lives. God, thank you so much for Jesus. I pray that this morning would be would make much of who Jesus is and what he's done. And we would not sit in the mire of our sin, but instead rise to the glory of who you are. Thank you so much for Jesus. It's in his name that I pray. Amen. I want to lay the opportunities to respond in front of you. They are, as always, I will be in the back to pray. If you would like someone to pray, I'll, I'll be back there. Um, Josh and Kelly are, are going to sing songs designed to remind us of some, some of the things that we've talked about. And we, we invite you to, to stand or sit and uh, however, sit and journal or, or sing or not sing, but engage with what God is, is speaking to you. And then 
lastly, and as I've mentioned already, we have these tables uh, to your left and to your right where we have an opportunity to, to give financially. If you're a guest, we don't want your money. This is for our regular attenders um, to give back to what God has given to us. Um, but most importantly, we have the bread and, and, the, and the wine, the juice that's there. As we take the, the bread and dip it into the bowl, I, I pray that we would be reminded of the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ offered to us, offered to you um, by Jesus, not by me, not by anyone else other than, than our Savior. Respond to God now in your time.